Hi, I'm Jason Sachs. Hi, I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are continuing our discussion of Jack Kirby's Fourth World, specifically the New Gods with New Gods number four. Um, Amir, I thought four was um, a surprisingly great issue that sets up some really cool events that happen in New Gods 5. Oh, yeah, it's really good. One thing I, there's a lot of things I liked about this issue. Obviously, they're all really good, but it is also like, it shows the, you know, the Orion gang, how each of them can really, has contribute, can contribute. To me, it's a little bit like a, that TV or the movie or TV series, Mission Impossible, where each person has their own part, you know? Like, you know, the insurance salesman is pretending to be the gang leader and like, you know, the lady, and it does something like she actually was the one that actually gets rid of all the goons, you know? Yeah. And then one of them, you know, is the detective. And then, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty cool that they're all like, um, they all show their parts and, you know, they have their parts. And there's also like a really great setup where each of them talks about their doubt. Like, um, I don't know, jumping page by page or just talk about it like that. I guess why don't we follow our usual format? Because okay. I want to make sure we start with these first few pages with um, Isak and Metron flying yeah. through space and time, just exploring the universe. Oh, it's yeah. Such a like amazing way, Kirby-esque way to begin things. Mm-hmm. It's like a... It's like a cold... I don't know if it's called a cold open, but it opens so grand, you know, like... It's all, it, to me, it's like Star Wars probably stole a lot of the ideas. I don't know, like movies like that where like you just start off with action. Like first page, you see like they're being chased by these dinosaurs. We're going to try to eat them. You know, that's like the first page. It's not, you don't even get to like relax and ease into the book. It's the first thing is like a boom in your face dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Everything's exploding in your face as soon as you get in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the next page, which I love, I would love to own this page. I don't know whoever owns it. Must be the luckiest person ever. Um, but next page is like these savages just beating on each other with like, you know, prehistoric weapons. It's like, oh, God. Such a great page. And, and I love how you- Metron and Isak are just flying past it, almost like at a Disneyland or something. You know, when you see that, that exactly. panorama beneath you and you're flying past learning about the world of metal or something. Exactly. I, yeah, that's right. It's exactly like, uh, what is that? Uh, a savage version of like, it's a beautiful world or something. It's a wonderful. Yeah. I, I like that the volcano in the background too. It's just, everything is just savage. You know, I do want to, I want to point out something about this page. And I, I've been really loving Kirby's writing. And there's a part where the, the quote where he says, uh, Ometrong all like, one day when their bellies are full, they will look up, up and see us. Then they will think and dream. I love that quote because it's really, um, you know, Kirby has been to war. And I think if you've been through some, some things in your life, as most of us have, you realize that like, I think if, if there was less misery in the world, if less people were hungry, less people were, you know, like poor, then everyone can dream and society can grow, you know? And I think that's what he's saying. He's like, you know, they're going to fight it out. And then when they evolve, they'll look up and see us. And that's when the real good stuff starts to happen. They will, they'll start to embrace art and culture and they'll become a civilization. So it's almost like this feeling like, you have to let mankind evolve. You have to let us um, become what we can be. Did this remind you of all of 2001 A Space Odyssey? Um, you know, I'm not, I haven't watched that movie in a long time, so I don't really know too much about it. I mean, I know, I remember, you know, the snippets in the popular parts of the movie, but. Because this book came out, this issue came out August, the release date was August, September 1971. So it came out, um, you know, in the spring of 1971. It's only two years after that movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I think Kirby was trying to evoke, you know, the scene at the beginning with the savages um, 
fighting each other, fighting it out, and then the monolith lands in the middle oh, of it. Oh, yeah. And it's that mysterious thing that represents the evolutionary, next evolutionary stage. And uh, I think Kirby's trying to, to pull that out a little bit. That's uh, true. At this yeah. moment, just doing it in a very Kirby-esque moment. That's true. I mean, he did do the comic book a few years back, right? Maybe like yeah. 69 or 70 or something. Or maybe even like right before this comic. So maybe that did was... the, he did the 2001 comic in the late 70s. Oh, the late 70s. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was earlier. Could he, he went back to Marvel. That's when he was back at Marvel. Okay. So one of the interesting changes that um, the reprints do is they change the colors of these creatures. Specifically mm -hmm. the... Um, so there's the kind of caveman-looking creatures who are human, more or less. But what they're fighting... Um, you know, here they're kind of... They look animalistic, right? Mm -hmm. They look um, look like maybe, maybe uh, some sort of saber-toothed tiger or something. Mm -hmm. And the reprints, um, they're colored green. Which makes them feel like they're aliens or something. Oh, what Kirby's intent was then. Yeah, do we know who the colorist back then was? No. No, it was on staff. And the change was made in the 80s reprints, which came out, uh, this issue was July 1984. And I think Kirby supervised the reprints because he drew new covers for them. And it drew that original ending. So I wonder if he meant them to be looking more alien. You know, I don't have my issue with me. I'm just looking at the trade paperback, the newest one. Do they look green like this? Yeah, that's what I have. That's, this is what I have. Yeah, and then the original you can see. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. I, I think this is, I know this is sound. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I actually didn't know that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I do like the original a little bit better, it sounds, it looks like. So interesting. Uh, but I don't want to derail us because the next page is like so, such great Kirby Splendor. Yeah, oh yeah, the, it's amazing. Page, uh, page four. Because then we see Metron and Isak in space, surrounded by stars. Um, and Isak, look, who's maybe eight or nine years old, looks up at Metron with this look of like parental trust mm -hmm. and happiness. Mm -hmm. And they land back in New Genesis and there's High Father in this amazing costume. Yeah. And he's all he gives him the bad news. A bummer. Someone's dead. So one of us has fallen. Um and again that page just seems so Kirby esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you get the grandeur of the stars, this incredible movement through space. And then the last panel, you get one of those only in Kirby kind of costumes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like something you can imagine. I, I guess literally something you can imagine one of the gods of one of the Norse gods wearing mm -hmm. Asgard. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool, uh, very elaborate it kind of reminds me of a uh, Galactus's costume. A little yeah. Bit. Um, I was going to ask. This is a bubble uh, thought, or like a you know a, a word bubble question. Uh, on um, on panel four, page four, like the bubble. Uh, I, I see like some of the bubbles actually going out of the um, the panels. Is that is that did that happen in the original one too, or is this a new thing? To um, I'm just wondering, like. Because um, in some ways, in some parts, the bubbles actually do go out of panel, and some of them they don't. Is that just a technical thing, or is that like meant to do that? In this case, they did that. I okay. think the letterer, or I think it was John Costanza. It might uh, just be a lot of words. Maybe that's yeah. Funny. But I, I feel like to avoid drawing over the staff. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Cool. But then, as you say, one of us has fallen. So here's one thing that I learned new from reading, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier before the call, uh, Tom Scioli's Jack Kirby Epic Life of Kingdom Comics, was that uh, Segrin, the guy who's, or Segrin, whatever his name is, um, is actually named after his brother. So as he was drawing this issue, 
he found out his brother had a heart attack and died. Oh my God! Wow. And uh, and his brother loved going on boats and he loved sea, so he gave him this like he actually had sea grin, which sounds like sea. Sea means being at sea. Grin means me being happy. I'm making that. I don't know that part, okay. but basically, towards the end of you know pages uh, page seven uh, on the issue. You know, he gives him kind of like a Viking burial, his brother, mm-hmm. a Viking burial secret. Like, uh, and so it was interesting. I was wondering, was like, why would you, why is, like, when I read this issue for the first time, I was all like, why is he, like, using up three pages to talk about this guy we haven't even met yet? As if, like, we should have known, is he going to come back? No, is he's just, he's representing his brother and he's kind of honoring his brother within the first, you know, or, or these three issues, three pages. I think there's three pages are extraordinary too. There's just this element of just mourning. Yeah, this powerful mourning feeling in mm-hmm. the entire uh, sequence. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, on page seven, you see that image of Orion looking straight at the screen, at straight at the camera. He looks haunted in that scene mm-hmm. as the light, as the Kirby crackle explodes around him. Mm-hmm. And then you get the silhouette in the next two columns and just those giant word balloons or mm-hmm. uh, not word balloons, but um, sound balloons. Yeah. Which actually remind me of like EC war comics. Mm-hmm. And then the last panel on page seven, he's shaking his fist in anger. The, yeah. source of, the source has taken a warrior who has given all. So yeah, I, t- I absolutely see like this passion. Obviously he, um, we're meant to feel the same loss that Kirby felt. Yeah, like I mean, page five, he's like, he's sad. He's a secret, secret, like as if it is his brother. And then the other thing on page six, he's all like, his name was Secret. He was a gentle warrior, and I think that's what he felt about his little brother too. He used to like, you know, and when they, I guess, lived in the hood, he his brother used to get picked on. And he used to fight his brother's fight. Even his brother was taller, but he was younger. He was like a little kid, so he looked older than he was. And he had to fight for his brother, even though he's a little guy. Like you know, Kirby was. Oh, wow. So it was just kind of interesting. He's like a gentle warrior. You know, he didn't get into fights. He didn't want to fight. You know, it was just interesting. So he maybe maybe he did as as Orion says. He loved the deep and all life in it. Mm-hmm. It was his element within it. He found harmony and living. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wow that's really interesting amir a lot of character for three you know for a guy you never meet and you're never going to meet again you've never met or meet again and we get the black racer coming back on page eight basically taking the god into the afterlife mm-hmm. so i have another uh you know we talked about the black racer a lot last time he showed up and uh Another tidbit that I got from the book was that um, Kirby was going to, I don't know, maybe we talked about this before, but I don't think it was mentioned that he was going to put Black Racer in an anthology of stories and introduce him as the god of death. Except we talked about that now. And so he was going to introduce him as the god of death, but he was afraid that Marvel was going to steal the idea and create their own god of death. Oh. And so he put it into New Gods, uh, and that was, and then you know I think the other stuff we, yeah, it's kind of interesting. The the um, yeah, just on a side note, I think because he already introduced a character that was uh, very similar to Morbius, the va- living vampire, mm-hmm. in Jimmy Olsen, and Marvel took that idea and created a comics around it. So that was what he was afraid of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of thing Kirby would do to to um, try and at this point, especially to try and avoid Marvel stealing everything from him, because at, this is when Marvel launched all their reprint books, so Kirby was literally competing with himself on the stands. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing about it is that you know I, we did talk about this before. Like Kirby wanted, like uh, I think you may have mentioned or may have read it somewhere. He wanted. Um, like an African American uh, creator creative team to develop this uh, develop the Black Racer, 
But then the funny thing, not not funny, but I think the editorial team would not allow him to they wanted Kirby to draw everything because that's what's sold. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they didn't so he had to draw everything. And so he couldn't create his own anthology or he couldn't have other creators come and do the anthology because they wouldn't allow him. And then he didn't have enough time to do it himself. So he just crammed everything into all these stories. And that's why it's so rich. But a lot of things aren't developed. Like the Black Racer could have been developed had it been to like a, given to a proper creative team that has the time to do it. Yeah, doesn't New Gods especially feel like we just get one intense scene after the next and they never quite lead up to anything. Mm-hmm. They're more like just this collection of amazing scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, and I've always wondered, like, is it because he wants to cram so much in he doesn't have the chance for the backstory? Or because his mind moves so quickly that in the time to draw three pages, he just moved on to the next idea? Probably a little bit of both. I don't, yeah, it's interesting to think about, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, like the Black Racer, it could have been developed. It could, I mean, I want to know the backstory of Willie, you know? Like, that would be interesting. I want to know, you know, like a side story on Willie, and I want to know what does it mean, you know, the changing of... I'm trying to think, like, there, there's a... The character is almost like a character that's... Um, that different people have taken the uh, mantle, you know? And I, I don't I don't know enough about comic book history to see, was there anybody before this character, before the Black Racer, where, like, there was a mantle where, like, it's not the same person. Like, you know how, like, Ghost Rider has, like, different people were Ghost Riders? Like, this is before that, you know? This is before, um, you know? Yeah, where you have the character who transforms into another character... Yeah, so like the same way. Yeah, I think that's more of a '70s trope. I like all the characters I can think of are characters like Ghost Rider or the Werewolf by Night. Mm. Um, But those are was Ghost Rider after this or before? It was after. Both those characters were after it. Yeah, Uh, and I love that page nine too, where his sister comes to his side, Mm -hmm. and um, she has no idea what's going on with Willie. Mm-hmm. Um, taking every precaution against fire and it looks like your room is on fire but Willie's lying there in his cast unable to move like um, the fact is his poor sister just has no idea what's going on to Willie mm-hmm. the black racer is, is like so interesting and the scenes of the racer just coming into that window mm-hmm. and the window kind of flashes with this glow of light as he transforms it's just such an interesting image Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you flip the page, and there's Dark Side. That famous page image of Dark Side. What do you think of the way he draws Dark Side? I um, I drew this page. I, I I wanted to recreate it and look at it, and I noticed that the uh, the forehead it's so protruded. You know, it's like almost like Neanderthal with like animalistic. And I I love this page, and I love the um. You know the shadows that he puts in there, and the high, you know the uh, the highlights. You know his helmet, how it shines and everything. The lighting. I just this is classic Kirby drawing. You know, ugly but beautiful at the same time. It's so compelling. Yeah, and this I, is another page that's different in the original versus the reprints. In the originally he has blue eyes. Oh, interesting. And in the reprints he has red eyes. I wonder if it's because of just coloring um, constraints. And then in the original, he's colored gray. In the 80s reprint, it actually looks like he has black skin. And then in the more recent reprint I have, it looks like he's made of stone. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Like he's got that grayish, like different shades of gray. It makes him look like he's chiseled out of... Mm-hmm. Just lost. I'm looking behind me. I have them all stacked here on my ottoman. Um, yeah. But he has this look of uncertainty on his face. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Well, I love his. I think it's uncertainty. But that's, I actually wrote down his quote 
where he says, oh, how heroes love to flaunt their nobility in the face of death, yet they know better than most that war is but the cold game of the butcher. And, <sighs> yeah. That's such, a, that's such a great line. It's an amazing line to me. I love it because it says, you know, like, freaking people, you know, the new gods up in, like, heaven, they're all like, oh, you know, I'm noble, you know, I can go to war, let's battle for the just." Except they send the guy from Apocalypse to do their dirty work. Mm-hmm. My kid, you know, it's like, you know, all these like, I mean, it, it, a lot of it is like politicians, royalty, you know, um, uh, people who who think that who pretend that they're representing God, you know, whatever, you know, they 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 have these noble ideas of like fighting for just except they're not doing the fighting they're sending young kids to go get killed they're sending animals like like uh you know or orion to go kill they're not do their their hands are clean while they're having all these kids and you know other people fight their fights for them so you're saying this is a little bit of a generational vietnam era kind of statement too i feel like it i mean you know i've i have a little bit of experience having been in a country that was at war and there is no nobility i mean you're all like it's just survival it's there's no like war is isn't good or bad like both sides have decent human beings and you're being pushed around to go to war like you know to kill each other like there is a it's so funny with like kirby not funny again i keep saying funny but and one of the Kirby's stories about when he was at war, the first time he killed a guy at World War II, he saw a German guy come towards him and then he froze. And his lieutenant punched him in the head and said, shoot him, kill him. And he had to kill the guy. And that's how, you know, or like in war, a lot of times if you didn't go into battle, maybe not at our side because we're good. Uh, if, we, if you didn't go into battle, um, they would shoot you. They're all like, you better go in, you coward, you know, that kind of a thing. Go kill the other person, even though the other, I mean, World War II is different, but, you know, just in general in war, most wars are unjust on both sides, except World War II, of course. But So then, do you think Darkseid is, is recognizing the fact that it is unjust, but almost that he's caught up in a, in a war that he has to fight? No, I just think he's being self-righteous. He's saying like, okay. you know, fuck all this BS about, you know, being a hero. And then you look at me who I'm into war, but you're doing the same thing, except you're not even getting your hands dirty. You're, you know. Because I've, I've been playing with the idea in our conversations about whether Darkseid has a choice to get involved in the war. Or if it's basically imposed on him by the fact that he's the ruler of new, uh, excuse me, of apocalypse, and this is the world that he's kind of born into, and this is, I, I don't know if it's a fully thought through idea because I know in yeah. later Kirby or later depiction of the new gods, he's you know just a completely evil creature, but I think in Kirby, um, Darkseid has some nuance to him. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think that, like, when I say, like, when Darkseid's saying, like, oh, you people and, uh, you know, the, 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 the good gods, you know, you guys are, you know, hypocrites. And I don't, I don't, I mean, he might be saying that, but I don't necessarily think that Kirby's saying he's right, but mm-hmm. that's what he's thinking. That's what he's yeah. all like, well, you think that this is all hero stuff, but you look at us and it's just animals fighting animals. It's not... You know, it's evil fighting evil. You know, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I, it's really interesting that this character, who is often seen as kind of somewhat two-dimensional, it's really showing this kind of philosophical side to him here. Yeah, and even if you think about, I mean, I think the next page is really appropriate. I hadn't thought about this. Next page is like innocent human being, like a administrative assistant, uh, insurance guy. Maybe what's the other guy? A detective, a kid, you know, like, I don't know if he's a college kid or whatever. These are quote unquote good people that are going to get involved in war. Um, you know, it's, but it's just, it's, it's killing each. It's still not a great thing, you know? And then they, they have to go and hurt, you know, other human beings. I mean, who are criminals again, like it's not a, 
I'm not saying they're good or bad. They're, they're good people. It's just interesting how like there's no new. I think what he laughs at is the nobility. Like it's not yeah. noble. Stop saying it's noble. It's not. Okay, we're all in the gutter. And yet the four humans are really being noble. Mm -hmm. They are basically drafted into this war because they had no stake in it. Victor's terrified. But they say, basically, we have no choice. You know, Shades of Bonnie and Clyde, we have to we have to go do this. Mm -hmm. And um, it's this really interesting kind of, not contradiction, but negation in some ways of what Darkseid is saying because here is nobility in the middle of these people who were um, kind of forced to fight this war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, again, yeah, I mean, they don't do anything terrible, egregious, because this is a kid's comic book, but yeah, I think it's just dropped in little hints and not really, can't really show the stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I, I just love how there's all these contradictions in the way Kirby tells the story. Yeah. Um, because he, he keeps wanting to bring it back to the humanity and it, or maybe the story keeps wanting to get back to its humanity, but the the gods are um, the the war between the gods is just forced upon them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this is like the duality of dark of Orion's nature in general. Is he just can never escape his own dark side, his own um, you know evil nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, so, yeah, we get this this really nice juxtaposition where um, we, we are suddenly completely down to earth. And then Orion and Orion walks in without his mask and he looks normal, not normal, but semi normal. He says, you call me Orion because it sounds like a human name. And he puts on his mask and he puts on the astro suit and immediately becomes something different as they all touch the mother box to see the plan. And that image of, of Orion on page 12 panel three where you're looking straight on in him he looks so alien and bizarre where uh, the page before he looked just as human as the rest of the people mm -hmm. by putting on that mask he is separating himself even though he wants to be seen as as the same as them mm -hmm. i had a question i think with them um just kind of curious on this um you know how, like, in this scene, they're all putting their hands on that mother box to try to, they'll see everything as Orion sees it, you know? And there's that page 13, panel one. If you mm -hmm. look at that panel, it's very minimalistic drawing. And I wonder how that looked like in original art. I, I'm, I looked at some of the original, the old issues, and it looked the same. But I wonder if, like, Coletta didn't ink that page or was uh was Kirby's pencil so minimal that like it seems like almost like it just doesn't seem like much drawing there it looks like it's fresh from the pencils it's definitely inked by Coletta because it's got some Coletta touches to it there's a flattening that Coletta brings with this thin lines but um yeah it looks like it's such an interesting image. It's like this overlay of faces on top of the city, um, almost like looking through a bottle or something. Yeah, I almost feel like, but like in terms of the art, the actual art part, it yeah. feels like old Kirby from like the 40, I mean, not even old Kirby, but it's just like, it's very minimal, no shadows, nothing. And just, yeah. Looks like my drawings. <laughs> Your drawing is getting better and better all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah doesn't it feel like um yeah it, i don't know what the words are for that i wonder but, how the original art looked like i actually looked at the artist edition it doesn't include uh, issue four i wish it did i would have loved okay. to see what it looked like yeah. um and then um, we see the plan play out this guy playing pool looks like this completed completely depraved figure yeah, you know, so the one quote that I've heard from Kirby is like in the old days, they're all like, you know, who, what kind of people read comic books, you know? And he's all like, well, you know, respectable people read newspapers and novels and books. And the only people that read comic books were people who shot pool. <laughs> so you can tell like uh, what he thinks of people <laughs> who read comic books. <laughs> Scumbags. 
should have had like a issue of a comic book in the back of his pocket. And I love page 14 because O'Brien is now being O'Brien, the cop, mm -hmm. uh, kind of beating up this depraved pool player. And for a minute, we get like a crime comic. Yeah, that's not Orion though, right? That's like one of the one of the. Well, that's his buddy, right? Yeah, yeah. Orion is actually not doing much. He's turned. He's turned into a dark side. He's doing having other people do his dirty work. I love that guy's name, by the way, Snakey Doyle. Snakey Doyle. You could never call anyone Snakey Doyle now. It's, that's probably like one of the kids that he used to fight. <laughs> when he was a I like it how, like, on uh, page 15, uh, he kicks him in the butt. <laughs> well, after yeah. they, they, they take his thing and then they, they take his mother box or whatever you call it, uh, and then uh, they kicks him and lets his him. His leg's come. a little too long there, by the way. The, the leg's a little out of proportion, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. And then Claudia does her part. She, I think she does most of the work. She, like, you know. So this is, yeah. So you were talking last episode, I think it was, about Claudia and how she's so in love with Orion and how she doesn't seem like she's got real character to her in a way. She's just this kind of girl in love with this powerful figure. And we see her grow here. Like, she is actually playing this game and playing it well enough to really allow the Mission Impossible type events to take place. Yeah. Uh, and like the, the picture of her on, on page 16, panel two, she looks really confident. Mm -hmm. And so I think that shows some growth for her just in these last couple issues where you know, maybe it's because she loves Orion, looks up to Orion or whatever, or maybe because she knows her humanity or whatever, whatever the reasons you may give for it. Um, she knows what she has to do. Mm -hmm. I'll give it the gas. All right. The kind of Ryan whipped up for this occasion. Mm -hmm. Like she's she's ready for the fight. Mm -hmm. And then you flip the page and there's Victor Victor playing Orion also. Um, like they all, all of the humans have kind of risen to the occasion and mm -hmm. they're being the noble battlers. Yeah. One note on Claudia is just like the other issues. It just seems like. Uh, Coletta is really going extra hard on making her look kind of pretty as opposed to look Kirby-esque, which I don't necessarily like. I like seeing Kirby drawings. I like women drawn like Kirby, you know. I wonder if she's based on an actress from the time. See, there's something real kind of specific about the way she looks. Because, mm. you know, Big Barda was based on a model, Lainey Kazan. So I wonder if Claudia was also based on someone. Oh, interesting. But this whole seek, this whole—I I love how you call it the Mission Impossible sequence because this whole sequence just plays out so, in such an interesting way. Mm. And these big panels that just are so full of just interesting moments, right? Mm -hmm. Like page eighteen. There's the—I—I uh, I, what's the guy's name? The, the bad guy, anyway, in the yellow shirt. With holding the fishing rod in his hand with speed up on his desk. Like, um, you know, you could absolutely imagine this being some guy, you know, working, so, some mobster working in Brooklyn or something, leading his, his the intergang there. Um, is his name Country Boy? <laughs> is that it? Because that's what uh, Snakey says, like, Country Boy, listen, I admit, I panic. Maybe that's his, uh, yeah, I think that's his nickname. Country. Yeah, okay. I missed that. Yeah. He kind of looks like uh, an actor from back then. I forget what his name was. Yeah, like James Coburn or someone. James Coburn, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. He's got that stone face like Coburn has. Yeah. Country boy. So, yeah, that's got to be it. Because mm -hmm. he's got the fishing line there. It's like he's daydreaming about being um, on the lake or something. And instead, he's forced to deal with this Michigas business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's stuck next to this balding uh, mafioso type in his slick glasses. Like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, there's this interstellar war, but it's coming down to these ordinary guys as part of intergang. Everybody's smoking back then, right? 
country boy smoking, the mobster guy smoking, the insurance salesman smoking. Everyone's smoking. <laughs> they, they, they kept the smoking. Yeah, they kept the smoking in the reprints. I was wondering if they edited them out. Have they ever done editing? In, I mean, you know, that's a big part because there's a part where they use the pipe as a gun you know, to make it look like a gun. Right. Well, I love how the fishing line is tied to the gun, too. I think just think that's so clever. And then Victor lighting his cigar in triumph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Victor. I don't know about Intergang, but not enough. Frankly, what I have seen so far, I wouldn't spend a penny on. So we get, like, another, like, three-page sequence, three or four-page sequence by Kirby that's all grounded. And then we reach page 19, and all of a sudden, again, everything just blows up in that full width panel at the bottom of page 19. Yeah. It's like one of those awesome, like, breathtaking moments in Kirby. I think that should have been a full-page spread or something. That would have been cool to see in, like, big spreads. I mean, I literally, like, got to that scene and, like, for a moment, I'm like, wow, Kirby! Kirby, you're doing Kirby again, you know? Can you imagine having like a big poster that size in your apartment or in your house? That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's, it's just so gorgeously Kirby-esque. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. In the reprints, they add the yellow behind... Um, who is that? That's Country Boy. In the original, it, everything's colored grays, blues, and purples. Mm. And in a way, it looks more powerful. I think the um, I've heard that in terms of coloring, um, old New God's old issues were he they always he always liked it like a hundred percent blue, hundred percent purple, you know, like yeah, gray, yeah. Whereas I think a lot of it is just the constraints of the reprints. You just want to keep it cheap, and what yellow is cheaper, I guess. I don't know. If there's more color, more of that color. I always feel like that. That's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's it. And maybe it's the constraints of the old publishing process, too. Mm -hmm. But he was working within that. Um, and I feel like he drew for that palette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we get that amazing scene, and then all of a sudden everything explodes. There's Orion flying in. I am Orion, the new Genesis, and my power shall not be blunted by your master's infernal machines. Mm -hmm. I just love the way Kirby writes this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, from, I was going to say from page 20 onward, it's full of action. But really, it's all full of action anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. How did he get to... Uh, so he goes into that machine, and there's water there, and he's fighting a spawn. Yeah, gotta, I don't know how that all, how the mechanics of that take place. Mm -hmm. He like goes down some tunnel or something, mm -hmm. and then suddenly he's in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, he he slides through a valve lock into the depths of the sea. Like like where where is this place? Right, we saw earlier it's on the docks. Mm -hmm. so maybe there's this enormous tunnel underneath it or something. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. But that entrance of Dark Side on page 20 is, like, so iconic. Kirby just draws the hell out of it. Like, this is a guy you just do not want to fuck with. Sorry, page 20? Yeah, page 20, panel 2, when, when Orion flies in. Oh, oh, I thought you said Dark Side. Oh, you mean Orion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Oh, I might have said Dark Side. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Victor Lanza comes to this rescue. Sorry to spoil your aim. Yeah, so there's Victor being the hero again. You are just marvelous, Mr. Lanza. He's like, he's wiping his sweat away. And then uh -huh. he makes him, uh, I like in the beginning, he's like, my wife makes me take an umbrella when it rains. <laughs> and yet there he is, the guy who's, who's changing his life mm -hmm. in the face of this evil. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe there's some Kirby in that character, too. What's the detective's name? No, that the, their friend. Forget it. No, I'm forgetting it. Right, the guy who punched out. Um, 
Yeah, he's like holding a gun to country boy's crotch. This is vicious. <laughs> he is just a badass. You know what? I actually didn't see the young kid do anything, though. Not that I, I don't think it really means anything, but all he did was he just jumped in and opened the door. You're right. Yeah, not that it really matters, but cool. Um, and then the issue ends in a awesome battle and then cliffhanger. So again, differences in coloring. Um, that's Slig, right? Um, in the original, he's Slig is colored flesh colored. In the reprint, he's colored green. And then in one of the reprints I have, it's like he's wearing a um, stocking mask. Oh, wow. So he, he was colored flesh, but, but his name is Spawn, right? Or no? That's Slig. Slig. Right? Oh, okay. Let me, I have some reprints too. Let me look at them. Because he says Slig, dog of Atlantis. So like he's got this little flag thing or whatever this this almost like a bat symbol on his head. That's yellow. And mm -hmm. in one reprint, in the original it's yellow. In one reprint, the thing is orange. In the 80s reprint, the thing is orange. In the 2010s reprint I have, the thing is colored like a, a teal colored green. Mm -hmm. Which is just um kind of an odd choice of color. Like just everything. Oh, it's just different interpretations, I guess, of the same work. It's just interesting how it's so different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I couldn't even thought that it would be flush colored. I'm all like, how could it? But I guess originally it was flush colored, huh? I mean, there's no way of knowing what Kirby's intent was. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it's just fascinating how it's so different each time. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. I don't think I have fourth world omni. No, I don't have fourth world omni one or two. I do have the fourth world omnibus. I'm actually looking in that. Okay. And I'm assuming that this was the same as the 80s reprints. That's what you have, right? Yeah. yeah. So this one is no, I have the fourth world omnibus. The ones that were like kind of like a newsprinty, and the colors are pretty much in line. So I think the colors did not change uh, after the '80s ones. Okay. So I don't have the original issues though. I guess the question is if Kirby wanted to change the colors, and or if um, he was stuck with these colors. You know, if I had to bet, I would say he probably didn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice. They made him recolor him. Yeah. Or originals, they were stuck with the quality of the coloring. He stuck with the, you know, whatever they recolored. Because they didn't even give him a choice for his ending to the story. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So this issue ends like in a dark place, but it's so well done. Mm hmm. Yeah. Good issue. I'm excited to see the next couple of issues. I think those are the ones that are going to be like. Next one is the boat, right? Or is it? Yeah, well, no, we have the second part oh. of the story first. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Issue five, Spawn. Right, right. Which is the first issue inked by Mike Royer, which I'll have some thoughts on next time. And I have artist editions. And um, uh, it's, the, it's the issue where we finally see the revelation about Orion's face. You get that beautiful three panel sequence in issue five where um, oh, right. you see the mother god mother box replaces face and issue six is the glory boat which you know i've now hyped every episode we've done so far <laughs> uh, i just i just think it's the most amazing comic book mm. but we'll get to that in, in a few episodes probably not two weeks because i'm away next weekend but um so Overall, what did you think of New Gods 4? Um, I liked it. I think it was kind of a... It felt like kind of like a filler, but it's Kirby, so it doesn't really matter because it's awesome no matter what. Mm -hmm. I thought it was 
I love the opening pages where it's just so action packed. Um, I think in the middle is a little bit of like just a lot of exposition, just kind of setting up the characters, which is cool. Um, and then, you know, there's some, you know, I love that page with dark sides quoting, you know, him, him talking about war overall. I thought it was a little bit, you know, it's not the best one, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's Kirby. I'm looking yeah. forward to the next few issues when the art is going to be more grand mm -hmm. similar to the first few pages that we have, as well as um, kind of getting into a little bit more of the story. I've actually decided to stop reading until uh, I'm going to, I've read through issue nine so far. I'm not from then on, I guess actually issue six, sorry. So after that, I'm just going to read it as we talk about it because I think it'll be fresh on my mind. It said, I, I think I read this issue like three times already. So maybe that's probably why I didn't love it as much. <laughs> well, I think it's great Kirby. Like it, it's just so, it, it's got that astonishing, breathless Kirby feel to it. But <laughs> yeah. And it does move. Yeah. Like maybe this is a case where you're like, it's a little like watching a great episode of it, slightly not at, like watching the greatest TV show, but like a, episode that's not the greatest episode of that tv show yeah so it's, it's still good, like yeah. amazingly good it's just not quite as good as you've seen like a week or two before right right yeah. or the episode or two before mm -hmm. so i have i have one more topic i want to talk about with this issue for, about um mm -hmm. because in this issue there's letters um from two prominent letter hacks one is Richard Morrissey, who um, was quite prominent first time. Another is Elliot S. Magan, who would um, graduate oh. graduate Brandeis University and then join DC's staff. And um, both of them criticized Kirby's dialogue. Mm, interesting. Uh, uh, Magan says um, it gives the entire story a useless musical comedy tone, which only detracts from the story. Yeah, he's full of shit. I love it. I mean, I don't. I I heard these things about Kirby's dialogue, and honestly, I prefer it to Stanley's. I think it holds up better for me. So here's where I get pretentious. So I, one of the things I, uh, one of the things I studied in the past is Greek tragedy. Mm -hmm. You know, Oedipus Rex and and uh, plays like that. Uh, and to me, this has the grandeur and the almost otherworldliness of the best Greek tragedies, where it just, and in those, of course, they speak in this very stilted way, because it's literally 2,500 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet there's this power and this majesty that comes from these characters speaking in these different ways. Their words mean something differently than we expect them to mean. Mm -hmm. And when you start to pull out the implications of what they're talking about, it just feels otherworldly. That's the word I keep coming back to. And to me, that perfectly fits New Gods. Yeah. Where, you know, when we have these opening scenes, like you were talking about earlier, with Isak and, and Metron flying around, and he says, you know, this planet is young and hostile, Isak. It's their... This is their time to fight for food and shelter. One day when their bellies are full, they will look up and see us. Then they will think and dream. Like, that really, like, it, it sounds like something you would have read in, in Euripides or something. Mm -hmm. You know, people also talk about the Shakespearean feel of, of Kirby. And I think um, it gives it more power that it feels so strange. Yeah. But that's just me and my soapbox. I mean, I love it. I enjoy it. I think it's, I'd rather have kids read the, this dialogue. I mean, it's a kid's comic book at the end of the day than like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, what it, did he mention what he's comparing it to? So Morrissey calls it stilted. Um, they don't really say what they compare it to. And um, the the letter column writer, who I think is Mark Evanier, just is very polite, says, your comments are appreciated and well taken. It's only through such letters we can become aware of whatever imperfections may be marring the series. 
That's all they say. Mm-hmm. They just they don't really say what it's um what what they want it to sound like. But here's another quote from Megan. Um the language is fittingly hokey. Uh, the language is fittingly hokey, but it fits more content- more comfortably into the 50s. The 50s of Flash Gordon and Johnny Quick. Language is bold but not contemporary. There's an obvious conscious effort to create a new mythology in old terms. The city of New Genesis is a beautiful idea, but its inhabitants are antediluvian. They haven't grown up over thousands of years in existence in their current civilization, except technologically. Their culture is of old. Create a culture for the new people. In the first issues, I see only a technology and a set of objectives forming. I see no culture, no values, no morality. I think maybe these things should be there. Which is a really interesting thing for him to say when we talked about New Gods 1, um, implying this love for youth and this embrace of peace and happiness and, and um, you know, that strong influence of the 60s. So I guess like you, I feel like Megan's off base, but he says it so beautifully. He's making a case that I think is wrong, but he's making a great case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if how he feels about it now looking at it. Because you're just reading one of the faults of comic book readers, and I know he's a writer now or whatever, but is that it's only four issues. You have to look at these types of things after it's done, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, and your relationship with the work changes over the years too. The more you live with it, the more you change. Yeah. I see a lot of morality in it. I see morality everywhere. And I, and for a kid's comic book, there's a lot more, there's complex morality that, you know, we wouldn't otherwise think of. And it just gets more complex and interesting the longer the series goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you.